the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy, arts, and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. I'm your co-host, Keenan White, and I'm here with Kevin Wong with Habitual Roots. And Kevin is a dear friend of mine, brother. Uh, we met earlier this year, maybe about a year ago, and it's just been awesome meeting, hanging, connecting, and sharing all kinds of mind-body practices with each other. And yeah, just cross-pollinating. So, hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good. Wow, a year ago? It's kind of gone by pretty quick. Yeah, no kidding. What a year it's been. Um, thank you, Keenan, for having me on the show and really honored and excited to see what we can uncover and connect on today. Yeah, me too. Can't wait for you to share your wisdom and your heart. I know you're definitely one person that always brings me into a, a feeling space. And I really appreciate that. A lot of times, you know, we can connect in so many ways with people. And when I connect with you, it's very, it's very easy and unspoken. And there's something that's really meaningful about that this, these days. What's most meaningful about it? I think for me personally, you know, there's sometimes a sense of needing to fill in the gaps and, um, you know, speak or talk about all a lot of what's going on in the world. And, and it's not that I necessarily feel that way, but I, I think a lot of people do. And I, and I certainly do once in a while. Um, but it, it's nice to, to come into the space of a, of a person that really, you have this sort of like abiding nature into silence. And I, I just really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also agree. It wasn't always that way for me and I'm sure a lot of um, people's journeys silence is looked upon kind of negatively at times you know and recognizing what silence even is or the value behind it it's such a beautiful art to it and sometimes we don't even know what silence sounds like totally yeah and and it's it's not always that silence is really quiet or a low volume I mean sometimes it's very loud and there's so much to say in that in that silent space um so thank you for bringing that element to to connection in life and um i feel like it's important right now um so today it sounds like we're gonna jump into the topic you mentioned about the sustainable you and i can't wait to hear more about what you mean by that um I, i've definitely witnessed a few of your lectures and some of the things you've presented to the public um so i have an idea um, but maybe you can give a, give us a brief sense of what that is. And then I, I'd like to hear a lot about, you know, what's your background? What, what are you, um, what are you up to now? And how did you get here? Thank you for asking. Yeah. The sustainable you is a really fun topic that I am passionate to share because again, I like to say that the most authentic version of you is the sustainable you. And any other version will never take you to where you really fully want to go because that isn't the most authentic you, right? And so rediscovering that for myself was a beautiful journey. And I find it to be a journey for everyone in this life is that we get conditioned very much so through our friends, our family, through life experiences and relationships and to everything in between, even at work with our coworkers. And with that being said, we start to uncover you know, how we can adopt other people's habits or ways of being or personalities. And these traits start to evolve our character, you know, that we show up as. And of course, we're never the same person that we were, you know, a couple of years ago to even yesterday. But as we notice how we continue to get molded by life itself, it's continuing to fractal us further and further away from what the highest truth of who we are, right? And so the sustainable you is, an opportunity for us to reflect and take this moment of stillness and silence and reconnect back to what is the truest version of us. 
Yeah, beautiful. And how important is it when we, we could find ourselves in life, you know, adopting personas that really aren't even ours and wondering what, what is missing? Well, with that being said, you know, what do you think has been missing from people's journeys? Well, I think pretty much like you just said, you know, like a little bit more time and space spent within that, that, you know, field of connecting to yourself. Yeah, and they'd like to build a space, right? And mm -hmm. what's been interesting is I've had this theory, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too, but as you can imagine, our, our brains are very powerful, um, almost like computers, right? Mm -hmm. Processing a lot of information. But what's interesting is the brain isn't really built to store information. It's built to process and be creative and solve problems, essentially. Um, but as we can imagine, earlier stages of our brain development, we were told to store a lot of information, like our friend's address, the directions, you know, and then our friend's contacts, our family's contacts, and all these things that our phone now kind of does, right? We've kind of alleviated that part of that brain holding on to all this information into a device, let alone all the information that schooling and work and everything else had us to hold on to. And so then if we imagine like the brain almost working out at this gym holding up all our friends contacts and then all of a sudden we have MapQuest now and we're printing out you know, our directions and then now we have google maps and everything else between alleviating that then our brain has now built this muscle you know in that area and then now it's kind of free will to receive mm -hmm. whatever else it wants to hold on to so i find that it was almost like a blank canvas that pivoted right around per se the 2000s when we started releasing this new form of technology that was alleviating that part of our brain that is now um, receptive to holding on to filling that space. But what's been interesting is what have we been filling that space with, you know, and mm. um, that's when all other things kind of start taking off with social media and you know, other propaganda and, and society and stuff. So I find it really interesting that it has um, evolved in that form where we've been kind of um, creating new ways to show up um, that may have been taking us closer or even potentially even further away because I can find that the platforms that we have now can definitely reveal the most sustainable or most authentic version of you but also is causing certain other individuals that may be experiencing the latter yeah totally it's it's, it's kind of a funny catch-22 because on, on one side you're saying you know we have we have less need to store the information in our, in our actual brain the device has it it's got us covered, but then, you know, the influx and the inflow of content from a device like a phone or a computer in, in the, the immense amount of information possible that's flowing through our minds is actually greater. And so it's, I mean, kind of makes me wonder like what, what is actually being stored? You know, if you, if you scroll through social media, you're scrolling through a news article and you're reading all this, I mean, it's flowing through, but then I mean, what's held? I mean, there's, there is an imprint. There's that like yogic term, samskara. It's a little bit different, but it, it's more or less an impression of your experience. And so there, there is an impression of the experience you're having that's creating some conditions in the body, some programming, some wiring that's influencing us, influencing who we are, what, how we're behaving, you know, how we see things, what we, what we're even believing. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I really enjoy that you bring up the fact that information continues to flow, right? Mm -hmm. And there's multiple dimensions and layers to what we're about to uncover here because I find that the information we may receive through the news or social media or any kind of context, even a book, right, is information that moves through us. But like you said, what gets held? What gets stuck into that memory or database, right? And it's kind of like emotions, right? We allow emotions to move through us all the time, but sometimes thoughts, memories, and these past or future experiences cause us to hold on to something, right? Mm -hmm. We read this book and we're like, oh my gosh, I remember that from my own personal experience. And then you hold on to that part of the book or that part of the reading, or then you see on social media mm -hmm. and you remember this friend and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember that time we went out and we had this great time in the park. And you experience that level of, um, almost mm, those multi-dimensional ways that we can take our present out of the present 
even though we are in the present, you know, um, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, back in college, I was, I studied, um, I took this class called Native Americans and Cinema. And I was studying cinema and communication and all that and avant-garde. And it was really interesting, probably one of the most fascinating classes. But in, in that one, I, I do remember, I remember <laughs> this moment of how, you know, the Native Americans believed at one point that a photograph of <clears throat> a person captured their soul. And at first I was like, that's all right. I mean, it feels like there's a level of superstition there that that's possible. But if you really think about what a photograph does, it actually, it, it captures your attention into a time of the past, out of the present. And a lot of the, the main themes we explored were, you know, how to actually live more in the present and appreciate now. And there's certain ways that, you know, cinema, movies, photographs, you know, all these things can actually support us being more present. You know, maybe there's a resolution in the way we understand the past, or maybe, maybe understanding our history gives us a better way of knowing how to act in the future. Um, and I think I think there's all th those are all important pieces, but I I do feel like in some ways there's there's a there is a huge you know like capture there's like almost like this um, I'm looking for another word, um, but it, it's like we're captured into photographs that take us away from the, the kind of the brilliant moment where you know all possibilities exist and we can really do or think or feel anything in a way we're we're such powerful creators yet you know, this, this simple moment might, you know, pull our attention in and capture us in a way that it feels maybe minimal, but, it, but it's actually pretty big. Um, and, and I liked one astrologer that that's been in my field. Um, he mentioned how the, the war we're in right now is actually a war of attention. And I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, like, if there's any conflict that that sort of supersedes a lot of the, you know, the the layers of, of what's going on in the world, if you really think about it, you know, we we create from a place of focusing our attention on something and and then directing our energy towards it. And if our attention is is captured by, you know certain channels or certain content whatever it is then where's that leading us mm. and i guess that's the, that's the main question i think about is you know simply put where's your attention leading you mm. i like that you say that too because your attention is almost everything your presence is mm -hmm. where your attention is going your presence doesn't have to be in the present but it's your connected towards attention of where you're currently at right so where your attention is is taking into the direction of not only yourself but maybe other people mm -hmm. and that raises a lot of questions because if we know that there's an infinite amount of possibilities right those unknown possibilities in per se the quantum space then we can start to understand that the attention that we have placed on the past the present and the future is influencing all of it at the same time right mm -hmm. so it raises a lot of question as to even the education system that has evolved you know my journey and i'm sure yours as well and many other people the way that they view the past and the history and the way this country was built and other countries have been built and then that means that our attention has been placed there right and those images and those contexts have then encapsulated the soul and the essence of those beings that were experiencing that per se time right yeah and so then our attention now knowing of that is also influencing theirs mm -hmm. same as their attention and their awareness and their mm -hmm. presence quantumly technically <laughs> are influencing ours and everything in ahead yeah we're that we're that connected and i feel like one of the things that you previously mentioned in your last comment was about i mean you're sort of saying the same thing but what it made me think of was like this importance of silence being this intermediary space or almost like intentional and like energetic container in which in which non-attachment can be practiced because if, if you if there's so many 
engagements or there's so much attention placed on you know the past or the future or whatever it is and we're not living in the present and we're not really connected to who we are now which is a whole nother thing because the person that we are each day and each moment is really changing it's not really like a static thing i mean there's i think there are constants to our personality and there's constants to kind of our behavior and our habits are driving that largely um, but i think you know part of a part of connecting to yourself is ask, actually asking the question, like, who am I today at this moment? Because who I was, you know, I could just keep focusing on that, that past self or that past version based on the events that, that took place and what actions I took. It's the same thing with history. You know, we can look at humanity and see like, well, that's who we are, but humanity is changing in each moment too. And I, I feel like that, that, I don't know, you were kind of, in between the lines like highlighting this this piece of like attachment like we could attach to to a definition of who we are whether it's personal or in a collective sense and i think that could be pretty misleading so i think i, I just see the the real i'm seeing and uh, feeling and and seeing this emphasis on how how important silence is in sustaining like you know that connection to our authentic self you know, because it, it does require time and space. Yeah, I, and I want to also preface that, you know, it is a practice, you know, recognizing what even a container is, you know, creating that safe space for individuals and even yourself to experience non-attachment, right? Because the container itself is like, you know, the, truly that space that you can define in space, stillness and in silence. But sometimes we don't recognize the importance of why to even do that or how to even do that, especially the way we're conditioned with, again, social media, society, and the pressures of, you know, the role that we've built for ourselves, right? You know, I am this parent or I am this coworker or I am this friend. And we start to evolve and again, create these responsibilities or these things that we have to uphold, right? Mm -hmm. And what, creates even more fascination is then if you show up to that friend or that family member or that coworker, you almost start to respond the same way, right? And then they respond the same way because you respond the same way. And then that's not a safe container because then you're attached to a previous version of them as much as they are attached to a previous version of you. And so then what happens is then there's this domino effect of living in this continuous cycle and not evolving and not changing. And then having those past notions of, oh my gosh, they're always that way. You know, they're always going to say this. They're always going to do this because I do this, right? And then what happens is we get stuck in that. But like you said, is how do we find that space of silence and really create that container for people to experience that non-attachment? And the non-attachment is, of course, the biggest practice because then how do we truly experience the present, right? And then that uncovers, well, the sustainable you in the present is truly non-attached, but that in itself is a whole <laughs> practice in itself too. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, lo I love what you're saying here. And it's, yeah, like the the non-attachment, yeah, it's not, it's not so easy at first, you know, like, cause, and, there, and there's a level, like sometimes I remember meeting up with you and there's a couple of times where I was like, all right, like this is kind of uncomfortable. But then what I was realizing was like, the uncomfortable part was like how much you were holding this pure like kind of presence with me and that's just who you are generally like i see you as that like holding that energy and i was like whoa okay like i'm actually uncomfortable about me feeling like i need to present a certain persona because i'm used to doing that with people and it was like whoa like i don't have to do that now <laughs> you know because i feel like i i often off offer that as well with people but it, it can be uncomfortable. And I know that I make people uncomfortable sometimes with that too. Um, but I guess I'm highlighting this piece because I feel like there, there, it's important to say that, you know, in that process of working with non-attachment and living a more present life and a, connecting to more of your authentic, authentic nature, sometimes it's uncomfortable beginning to take those, those steps because that default behavior programming, like you said, you know, the showing up in the same pattern with somebody that that kind of is easy it can be very comfortable because it's familiar mm -hmm. and so to, to begin dropping and being like wait a minute like what is my authentic nature 
it sometimes feels a little bit like disrupting because it is, it's, it's actually disrupting all the conditioning that you've had. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that sense of survival, that sense of self wants to be comfortable. Right. And that discomfort is it's notifying you as the witness that you're doing something out of the blue or out of the box, something that's not normal to you. And I thank you for bringing that up because, you know, I, I take a lot of enjoyment in feeling uncomfortable, you know, especially experiencing that with other people, because that's an opportunity for us to feel something that we may not always feel. And all the time mm -hmm, we take time to just be in comfort. We just want to be in comfort, but recognizing how can we place ourselves in situations or environments and not only make ourselves uncomfortable, but also if another person right beside you needs to feel uncomfortable, let them feel that way. It's not you that made them feel that way. They felt that way because they needed to. Yeah, it comes back to some of that Toltec wisdom around not taking things personally and seeing that mirror, you know. And it reminds me of David Data as well, where he, you know, he's, he wrote a book called uh, The Way of the Superior Man. And one of the things he, he talked about with, you know, being in a relationship with a woman and, and just cultivating relationships in general, you know, walking, walking more of a path where you can, you can feel a lot more of your, the strong points in your masculine. I mean, he, he's like, you know, go out in nature, like have a hard time, like be uncomfortable. And it's just, I, I really love that wisdom because it's true. Like there's a certain level of like being our animal side you know, we have a survival mechanism. And if we're, we're around comfort all the time, and we're just finding this complacency, there's gonna, we're almost gonna find like, there's gonna be some discomfort that arises out of that eventually. And if we can be with it, I think we can be with a side of ourselves that wants to express too, because it's, it's not just comfort here in life. There's uncomfortable, there's uncomfortable, there's sadness, there's, there's all a whole range of of feelings that go along with being here, being alive. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is, you know, learning that living is the pure essence of the purpose. Us being is a direct connection and correlation to our purpose. The experience in itself is the gift. And so can we start to remind ourselves to not even be attached to that sense of self or sense of labeling? right? The mm. sadness, the worry, the fears, and the happiness, the joys, the gratitudes, these are all labels, you know, and we're mm -hmm. still attaching a value added <laughs> to this or that. Yeah, I want to feel this, and I don't want to feel that. But how do we see all of those pieces as a part of our human experience and mm -hmm. our purpose? Yeah, I think it's interesting even thinking about like, something like sadness, for example, you know, we can tend to label that bad, because we're in this culture that's like in the pursuit of happiness. And I always find that's a little misleading because we, we actually have both. So if we're just on the pursuit of happiness, you know, and we, and we try to avoid sadness, where, where's, the, what happens with sadness? You know, we push it away. And if you feel it, maybe you need a pharmaceutical antidepressant to help you with that. And it just seems insane to think that that's actually what some people think. But I, I don't see that it's necessarily, you know, their fault. It's it's in some ways like there is a culture driving it and, and there is, you know, companies and there's profit machines that that are driving that as well. Um, but yeah, it's a I guess it's there's a lot of layers to this to this topic, but I I was feeling into the part of even something like an emotion like sadness. You don't even have to label it that like there could even because I think, you know, if you're, if you're sitting in silence, and you're like, oh, okay, like, there is some sadness. If you're not labeling it as good or bad, I think that's a step forward. And then I, I like how you're pointing to like, even any label, it, you know, like, that's also misleading, because really, it's just sensations, you know, and, and you like feeling those sensation and sensations is it's not really good or bad. Sometimes it actually, it feels really, really nice mm. to feel something that's labeled bad. Yeah, I find it interesting that feeling is a constant also um, battle that we're experiencing, right? We're told not to feel, mm -hmm. you know, and we're told that we can't feel certain emotions. We can only feel these emotions. 
you know, and there's a lot of, per se, what they call spiritual bypassing in this world right now, right, where a lot of the practices are for you to stay happy, stay grateful, and almost neglect that fear and the sadness that does exist, you know, not only in our own journeys, but then other people, right, and noticing that, oh, when you're feeling this way, no, I don't feel that way, it's okay, remember that you're all grateful for all these other beautiful things, right? Right. And you're literally bypassing things that you may need to actually feel. Um, I think really for me, feeling was a huge awakening when, um, well, there's multiple for sure, but one that I remember most through the system um, was when I had tore my ACL meniscus um, and I've healed it so far and it's been doing very well now, but Hmm. then... You know, of course, my parents being, um, you know, first time living in this country, me being the first generation, they kind of abided by what this Western culture had kind of given us or told them, right, which I love them for and I'm grateful for to have experienced it. But to, to know the depths of how the chemicals and this profit system has created a way for people to numb feelings, you know, and I took the medication that I was given, of course, given by the doctors that they knew or believed to be best for what was, you know, healing. But literally at that time, I was like, I don't know, 14 or so. And I was numb to the world for a couple months, you know, healing my, my knee and my leg and just noticing how people would come into my room and my space and, you know, give me that sense of love and healing, but I couldn't feel any of it. I was just mm. numb to the world and just numb to my mm. sense of self. I was just witnessing life pass by at that time, you know, looking back. But again, it was an opportunity for me to express that yin and yang, right? Like that depth of non-feeling and feeling, right? Yeah, it seems like you you really had that experience in order to have that contrast. And I find that's a lot of the reasons why we have our experiences is to see the, eventually learn the other side and have something driving us to to the other side. Uh, but it's wild. I didn't necessarily think about like if, if someone is taking a drug, how anyone supporting them, you know, there might be this sort of like, I don't know, shield or barrier put up because if they are numb, they're not going to necessarily receive the support around them. That's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And who yeah. knows how that really works? Because I mean, yes, we can chemically know what it's doing to the physical body, but energetically, what is it doing to our auric field, right? And are we even able to receive information from other things um, or other people just by receiving that that chemical imbalance or, I guess, rebalance that they perceive, you know, is healthy or needed? Yeah, and, and energetically speaking is really emotionally speaking. Yeah. Wild. Well, you, you told me some pretty, you know, interesting stories about like how you ended up, you know, cause I don't think you've necessarily always had these views and, and you've been on your own journey and, you know, I, I found it pretty interesting to hear about your, your story. I think you, you were working in corporate for a little while and you found yourself in Hawaii and you met somebody and, and, um, I, I feel like and if you're open to it, sharing that, that part of your journey, I feel like was, is nice to hear for people because, um, I imagine, you know, people listening and it, it, it's like, how did, how do you end up finding your way into a place where you, you really, you feel authentically aligned to what you're doing and, and how you're being in the world. And it seems like you, you, you've pretty much landed in that, in that position. Um, so yeah, any side of it you want to share, I'm open to hearing and I'm sure people would love to hear. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Mm. Happy to share it. I find, I think it might be useful to kind of even go a little bit further back. Um, you know, life in itself is a, is a journey. So whatever people are experiencing, I, I honor it for sure, because I recognize that all the trials and errors that I had to go through has been the reason why I've, every single monumental moment has led to the next, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, me being the oldest of two younger sisters, and as well as I'm the first generation born um, from uh, Vietnamese Chinese descent. Um, it led me to somehow I being born in North Carolina, the East Coast of uh, the United States. And from there, I lived definitely in the Bible Belt. So, um, you know, I grew up in a very, very small town, you know, pretty much one stoplight, three churches. Um, that was a lot of the earlier experiences that I had. And um, so, 
pretty much from what I can recall, I was going to a Christian academy, but my parents were per se Buddhist, you know, and so they would share some Buddhist practices and we would go to temples occasionally, but all my waking life while my parents were working at this restaurant was also at uh, a Christian academy. So I'd be around all these people doing prayers and also, you know, doing recitals and even like being on the stage. And I was like a soldier for like one of these like plays with, with Jesus in it and stuff like that. So it was really interesting, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to experience that side of things and mm-hmm. see the contrast, but also similarities. Mm-hmm. So that really opened up my understanding and questioning of, what, what is faith and what is this whole world built on religion, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many out there. Mm-hmm. So as I started to question, it kind of led me into all these other opportunities to understand more of this world. And that also almost isolated myself more. You know, it made me kind of start to see and ask and wonder a little bit more than what I was really told. And so um, that kind of made me question and, and dive into well, what is this life and what is this purpose at a young age? And, you know, of course I wanted to fit in at the same time, not being too different, but also different enough to, to know myself, but still I didn't know myself, right? And so of course life progressed and schooling happened and, you know, didn't always go to the best groups of friends, but also trusted that was what I needed. And, you know, I started doing, um, you know, I started smoking cannabis really young and started experiencing other substances really young and um, just be based on one, not only peer pressure because of those people that I wanted to be friends with, but also just now looking back, that was really what I needed. You know, I, if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have had the level of connection to my emotions or feelings or to this other side of awareness that I had, right? You know, and but, it's amazing how cannabis provides that actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was huge, you know, and heart opening, definitely, you know, mm. and experiencing that at a young age, it led me not to abuse it later on in life, right? I had a greater respect for that plant and the medicine itself, going further into life itself. And so it was a really beautiful journey. And um, I guess it led me into trying to find what I really wanted to do, right? So then hence now from middle school, high school into going into college, right? I, of course, experienced different things that continued to ask, well, what do I want to be? Who do I, who should I, you know, become and what should I provide to this world, right? And that's a great question that people wanted to answer and sometimes may never answer, you know, which is, what is my purpose? And then that's an interesting one because we get stuck in saying that what I do and what I provide is my purpose. But like we alluded to earlier, right, the purpose of this life isn't what you're here to be or to do or provide right it's really you you are the purpose like your experience Mm -hmm. is the purpose you know (laughs) i love that yeah and it's i mean it's kind of simple but a practice and so it led me to really discovering okay well should i follow this path what my family did you know becoming engineers becoming this like trade you know and like doing these things and i've went down that path you know for a little bit and kind of followed suit into well I don't really know so these other people have laid this path so I wanted to go down this similar path Mm -hmm. going to a college that other cousins had already gone to through and um, went through similar programs and as I was going through it it was like I was losing myself more and more you know and you know of course had different support systems with friends and relationships but I was losing myself in them losing myself in my friends, losing them in my traditions with my family. And I was just questioning more and more because I'd have this one side where I'd go hang out with the friends and, you know, light up a doobie and hang out and get a little connected to source and to my heart. And then the other side, I'd come back to my traditions and the the habit cycles and those common pathways in my brain that I'm like, oh, if they show up this way, I show up the same way. You know, and I was experiencing this disconnect, right? Of, well, who am I, right? Mm. And so as I continued to evolve in that form, I started to realize I was disconnected to my physical self and my emotional self, right? I started to fill the space with substance, you know? And so at one point I was well over 200 pounds. I was like 230. I remember last time I think I was like 238, maybe 240. And I mean, I'm not really a big tall person. So, you know, I, I looked a lot like the girl in, in Charlie in the chocolate factory, you know, the one that turned into a blueberry, you know? Mm-hmm pretty round and so I experienced that level of depth of 
oh, am I gonna live this path and continue to feed myself this sense of love of external things, right? Giving myself food, giving myself substance and filling that void because I was so lost. And again, I was doing all this while navigating college, navigating classes, education systems, you know, taking tests and studying. And so it was really easy to get stuck in that vortex of that pace of life. And so um, at the same time, you know, I started to really discover that this was not my path. You know, I wasn't supposed to be an engineer, you know, I'm not supposed to build these things or do these things. And really what kind of broke it for me was when I started studying physics and I was like, fuck it. Mm. <laughs> people already know all of this in life, right? If people already know so much of this fabric of reality, well, what can I know more of? Instead of catching up about these things that everything is interconnected and divinely a part of one, then how can I actually show up in my truest form, really being a part of the fabric in my most harmonious unified state because again mm -hmm. if i'm disconnected from what i'm doing in work if i'm disconnected from my friends because the way they're showing up isn't truly what i feel sometimes then how am i honoring myself which i wasn't right mm -hmm. so long story yeah. short uh as i graduated college i was again working with this startup and um in the startup, you know, I was also consulting for an energy corporation, you know, so it was interesting to see literally go up to the 90th floor, sit in my corner cubicle, gray walls, people were really friendly, but also we were just stuck into our little box. And then at the end of the day, I come down at about 3pm, you know, after my corporate job that I get to at 6am. And then I go down and drive over to my startup company that I was working with, right. And I'd sit in this, you know, maybe 12 by 12 room with these other people at one table, all crunching our, you know, our computers away, our keys away. And like, we're sitting together and feeling unified in this sense of bond. And it was really interesting, again, to see literally the depths of one side versus the other, this, you know, multi-million dollar company, if not billion, where I'm literally just trying to bring one more zero into their, their company. Whereas mm -hmm. this one, we're just trying to survive and make an impact and make a change and find purpose and find value and provide value, right? And so mm -hmm. it was really beautiful to see that depth. But along the way, you know, of course, I still wasn't satisfied. I was finding myself lost in these jobs, placing myself and purpose in what am I here to do? What am I here to provide, right? And so... Um, as I did that, I found myself lost in that. And I ended up leaving the corporate jobs, all my consulting gigs with a taxi company a nuclear company, and then all these other electrical energetic businesses that I found a lot of excitement in, but I found myself losing excitement for myself. Mm -hmm. Same with the startup. I found myself also losing myself and in investing so much time and energy and and putting my love into something external for myself, mm -hmm. finding and seeking something. Yeah. So eventually uh, I found a level of reconnection to what the truth is and, you know, had a huge awakening. Mm -hmm. And this huge awakening was for me to realize that the love that I've been giving myself externally can be created from within. And so ended up uh, leaving those things and traveled for a bit. Um, found myself, like you said, um, experiencing a lot of the country with support, um, but traveling a lot of the country to really experience what I'd never seen. You know, I was born first generation in North Carolina, right? And so never really had an opportunity to travel not only with other people, but by myself. And so ended up finding myself in Hawaii after a long journey across the country and um, found myself really just divinely connected back to my heart, to my soul, and to finding myself flowing with life in itself. And by doing so, um, I ended up meeting a really beautiful human. Um, he is the reason why I kind of dove deeper into myself with these practices around stillness, silence, um, but it really reconnected really me back to my breath. And why the breath was so important was I realized that the breath is the very first thing that you and I both had to learn. 
and hopefully everyone else on this call had to learn. <coughs> and we realized that the breath being the first thing, it was the first thing that was written into my subconscious. And the whole programming is that then we can really discover how to rewrite these programmings in our subconscious through our breath. And, you know, I started learning Wim Hof breathing method. I started learning about two more breathing, dove into holotropic breathing. And I was just addicted to my breath, you know, and <laughs> what that really uncovered. And there's a lot of questions as to what the breath really is, right? And they talk mm -hmm. about it in Yoga Sutra with Pranayama and it being the life force, right? And even in Hebrew, they talk, call it Ruha, which is um, translated as spirit or um, energy, right? Mm -hmm. So in that sense, then what is the breath? And as I started to uncover my connection back to the breath, I started noticing that my breath was the guiding source and truth to how I want to show up and how I can actually remain present and safe in these containers and actually allow myself to be non-attached to a lot of these experiences. Because if I remain in my breath, then I can actually stay connected to my highest form um, and not allow my past notions or future notions to influence where I want to go or where I want to be in this moment, but just be here, you know? Um, but yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. That's, that's a lot, a lot to uh, share. And, and it's nice to hear, yeah, some of the further deeper back parts about your life in North Carolina that I haven't heard. And um, yeah, it makes me curious about your, that moment where you really it seemed like it happened in Hawaii where you really connected to your heart. Do you remember, do you remember there being like a, a pivotal moment or like a kind of transitionary space, that liminal space in which you, you know, a lot of the finding yourself outside in the companies and your workspace and, you know, the, the people around you led you to your heart. Was there something, I mean, was it the breath or did you, were you, were you discovering the breath work after that, that moment? I would say um, it was enchantment. It was like this like state <laughs> of wonder and curiosity. And it was like a flip of a switch, almost as if I went back to my childlike mindset, you know, just viewing the world and just so much awe. It felt so just loving and nurturing. And of course, Hawaii is very nurturing in that sense, but just being there and being present and not having any desire, but to be where I was, whether it was laying on the beach and camping out for a few days or riding a bu public bus and meeting locals, you know, it was, how can I just truly show up for whoever and whatever that is right in front of me? Because if I accept that where I'm at right now, then everything that is right in front of my eyes is the gift. It is the purpose. So how can I also receive and unify myself with the purpose? Yeah, that's such a beautiful outlook on life that you found. And I almost think like, thank God that you had those experiences, you know, like it, they really drove you to find that, that, that pureness and that, and that purpose. I really love your definition of purpose. It, it pretty much aligns with mine as well. Um, I've been calling my, the coaching that I do telos coaching and telos is a word that means true aim. And it, it sort of means purpose. And it's kind of interesting, like explaining it, you know, like sometimes I don't like, it's like, I got to explain this whole thing. And it's nice when you have a simple, like life coaching is easy to explain. Um, but you got to live a, a lot of years, you know, I think to, to really, you know, maybe not, but you know, we all have wisdom to share, but the, the telos resonates with me because um, I think that's what a lot of people are after, you know, they're, they're after, their purpose. And you really conveyed it perfectly. You know, it's, it's not really a thing we do. It's not a career. It's not, I mean, it, it is closer, I think, to how we be in the world, but it, but it really is this thing we're looking for that is the back of our head. <laughs> it, it is us, you know, it, it, and it's, it is that deeper connection to us that I think um, a lot of us are looking for. And, it's awesome that you, yeah, you, you found you, you found, and I think it's interesting when you find more of yourself and you realize that, you know, at that point, it's not like anything necessarily happens, right? Like you don't, I, I mean, of course you're going to have an insight of like, wow, here I am. And maybe this is really what I want. And this is really more of me than I thought I was. And I think there's a, 
a place that that opens up in you in, in terms of being present with the world that that is like a freshness and a newness you know and, and purpose is in some ways ongoing it's like we we're always finding our purpose you know it's a it's kind of a continual pro- process and we also arrive there you know continually i suppose as much as we want um is there anything you might want to add to that i think recognizing that continuous journey that it is never ending that mm. we have a true connection to this infinite realm of possibilities that even though that we've maybe told that life can seem very linear that that is not the truth the truth is that our life is more of a multi-dimensional experience of light you know as we recognize this opportunity to connect to these multi-levels and layers of light we can actually influence not only our experience but others as well you know, in our lifeline with our ancestors to our lifeline in the future. But it's interesting too, because it's it's also a uh, interconnected experience where if I'm doing it, then it's also happening in the forefront and everything in between. Because what you can notice is, you know, yes, I physically am per se not that old. And I recognize that I have so much more experience to have but i've noticed that by doing what i've done and i'm sure similar to you it's unleashed and opened up a direct connection to our own sense of wisdom from maybe past information that has been given or gifted to us by being uh, who we are by connecting in a way that has allowed us to be a vessel for receiving a level of intuition or insight or just knowledge that has been far beyond our physical self but is now us as a receiver for the information and how can we now remind people of it because you know i'm not saying anything new and most of us aren't but it's recognizing how can we remind people of these simple truths and how can we come back here to this moment and come back to our hearts and actually live in this space and you know not allow the influences right of those profit making machines and those also those social media machines like these things taking us out of the here and the now and the actual infinite possibilities right yeah i really love that that's perfectly said because we all have our own inner wisdom and i think you know like a lot of the coaching work you're doing with people is you know you're you offer something but really i find that the the real coach is the inner coach and and the real insights we're looking for is you know, they're within. And it's it's wild to see what actually unravels when you spend more time in that space. I mean, even even recently, I, I was, you know, I, I used to, to meditate a bit more a few years ago, and I would spend, there was a point where I, I, there, I did have my own feeling of like, maybe not wanting to be as much in the 3D. And I was, I had this amazing experience in, you know, in India, and like, I had this yoga practice, and it, it just, there's a part of like, you know, the, the industrialized culture that didn't make so much sense to me. And then I, I realized the imbalance there. And I, I, I sort of entered back into the, the 3D space, like, all right, well, maybe, maybe there's more to creating, you know, in this world and, and shifting and, you know, creating something new that doesn't necessarily have to fit into that, but can be my own thing. And so I spent a lot of time in that creative entrepreneurial space and and I've more recently come back around to to spending more silent time with myself and seeing yeah seeing that space as somewhat of an active space and it's been wild to see how much we you know like you said it's not really linear and the things that I feel like I've been able to tap into are are these like non-linear pieces and threads to my being that that are at this soul level they're like beyond my physical form and they're, they're, you know, I would go so far as to say they're, they're in past lives. They're, they're at another point in time. Maybe that it's like, how do I, how do I have these certain resonance that resonances that feel beyond this life? Um, and I, I just find it to be, I mean, either, either way. I mean, I think our lives, our, our current incarnations hold the, the seeds for everything we need in this life. Um, but it's it's magical what happens when you you actually just allow 
and you connect in a little deeper. Um, there's actually a, a lecture that I was privileged to be a part of recently about uh, an Alaskan shaman. I think he lived in like the, I might not get this right, but I think it was the Beijing, uh, the Bering Strait. I think that one is around Alaska, but he shared some of his wisdom and he, he sat uh, with a council of, of elders in Kauai and he, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, the importance of our time and how, you know, there has been secrets. There has been, you know, these occult esoteric secrets and in, in these wisdom traditions and they haven't always been exposed. And he said that the time is now over. And the, the time now is for sharing all of it. And he's like, that's why I'm sharing all of it right now. <laughs> and he was sharing all this wisdom. And one of the, the central components he mentioned, I think is, is a really beautiful parallel to the story you shared was that moment in Hawaii where you found this enchantment of your own innocence and, and this moment of connecting to the childlike quality of wonder and awe. And one of the, the things that the elders were telling him was that the person that we actually need to look for, look to for wisdom right now and, and for the messages that we need is the two-year-old. And I just thought that was so interesting. It's like, you know, and he, he said like, well, you know, look at that two-year-old, like, look at, look at them. They're, they're complete geniuses. I mean, they know how to be in this world and, and they're, you know, they go from this like extreme happiness and curiosity and interest and awe and like playfulness. And then, and then they bounce right back into this like moment of like, you know, being destroyed over some, some thing and crying and getting really angry. And um, I just felt like, you know, I was interpreting that as like this flow of emotions. Like we really, we could really use this this openness to allow whatever we're feeling to really just flow and to be felt and allow that to guide us a little bit more. Not that I feel like, you know, emotions are the single soul guiding post of your life, right? But if they're not at all, you know, how much are we missing out on? And I think, I think awakenings have a lot to do with returning to that original innocence, you know, real, realizing the um, the self, the, the person we are beyond what we've been told. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, just kind of connecting the dot there of, of how important that is. Yeah, thank you for reflecting and sharing that uh, insight on it. I think it's a really simple thing, but again, it comes back to noticing how can we commit ourselves to doing that work, you know, and staying mm -hmm. not attached, you know, and even in, I'm sure your coaching practice or even in mine, it's re realize that the greatest coach is the inner coach. And so even when we were working our, with other people, it's like noticing how can we just create that container, right? Yeah. And that space for people to reconnect back to that feeling space and mm -hmm. allow the information to you know move through them and also the emotion to move through them. Because as we recognize like how I like to describe the space is almost like the, the forceps in heart surgery, right? As we recognize the space being created, we are the forceps, per se, as the coach, right? And what's happening is the person that's being received is they're letting a higher intuition or information or guide to come in and actually do the healing, whereas we're just the one that's holding the space or that part of the heart open to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And allowing their, their and the intelligence of their system to really be that guidepost. Right. Exactly. We do no healing. We just witness mm -hmm. and we give them the attention that they also deserve and are worthy of to allow them to answer and ask themselves the questions that they already have the solutions to. But as we uncover, it's like there's ways to allow it to move a lot more freely, right? Whether it's movement, breath works, meditations, mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to disconnect from that physical sense of self or those stories or attachments that allow the non-attachments to come in and that childlike mindset can move through and the enchantment, the wonder and the true essence of 
our purpose can start to show up so we can really experience that, you know, sustainable you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, Well, in college, I was, I was studying sustainability and earth sustainability. And we were focusing on all these global environmental issues and, you know, from food and agriculture to water and waste and energy and, and all of that. And, you know, at the end of it, I was just like, you know, it, it just, it kept boiling down to like attitude and mindset, and, you know, cause it's like, well, okay, well, what, you know, what, what is like enough with like the, you know, the, the view of gloom, like what is the, the solution? And it just felt like it was always boiling down to attitude and personal mindset and psychology. And it really kind of, you know, pushed me into the, the study of like the human psyche and human behavior. And, you know, of course, like, you know, it's nice to have a context of physics and quantum physics placed into all that as well, because it's, it's important to see like natural laws at play as well. Um, but I really love how what, what you're saying, you know, that, that, that really is their sustainability to me at this point, the way I'm seeing things is, you know, we, it's the same um, correlation that is in coaching, you know, like if I want to be able to be a coach that holds that heart open for another person and I act, act as the forceps to, to their heart open experience so that they can allow them, you know, there can be allowance of their intelligence to come in, then what enables me to do that? Well, doing my own work and looking within. And it's the same thing, same parallel to the earth, you know, like whatever, whatever views we see around what's going on in the world right now, I find that, you know, we just got to look within first, like it really, really needs to happen that way. Um, Cause it's, it is a reflection. I mean, there's a whole field eco psychology that talks about the self as synonymous with world and, you know, there's, there's so much scientific evidence of that being true. And yeah, it's just a good reminder. So, you know, being in the times we're in, sometimes it's like, oh man, look at what's going on. And I feel like things are getting a little bit more polarized and wild and seemingly chaotic. And, you know, how much are we looking within? Agreed. I find it interesting because, you know, our world is that reflection, but we are continuously asking, what do we, what does the world need? You know, and we answer it by filling it with more stuff. You know, we want to create this thing. We want to create this thing, right? And yes, certain products or certain things are bettering the world, right? You know, that are making it more sustainable. But like you're discovering and like you're mentioning, it's not these external things that we need, right? The world doesn't need more solar panels, right? The world doesn't need more um, electric cars. It's amazing and it's great and it helps the environment so much. But what the world needs is for people to come alive. So instead of asking, what does the world need? It's asking, what do you need? What do I need? Totally. And by answering that myself, then I know myself. And by doing that, I will show up bettering the world. Absolutely. I love it. Well, it's been... It's been real as it always is. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, before we wrap up, it might might be worthwhile tying in the work that you do with habitual roots into this, because one of the things I think you've highlighted here is, you know, the, the challenge is oftentimes, how do we develop that practice? And so I wonder if there's anything you want to mention before we close things out around habits and what, what you're doing at habitual roots. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to share and asking. Yeah, you bet. Um, Habitual Roots, um, it's essentially a nonprofit. We we aim to put the you back in human is what we like to say. But how we do that is really your own experience. So we offer a plethora of ways to do so. Um, Ways such as community events throughout the cities of Denver, Colorado, North Carolina and Charlotte, and as well as now Santa Cruz, California. These are all just community events, but we also have a deeper practice. So, you know, if people want to connect more personally to themselves, we offer personalized private meditations and as well as ways to reconnect back into that feeling state, really to feel, to heal and allowing the information to move freely through you. So we just offer personal wellness as well and just different trainings. So, um, but 
we're here for you and what we do is we show up and if you show up we provide things to you as well um, as accessible and freely as possible so yeah it's been it's been cool being part of what you guys have created and yeah i mean i, I think we can all do it alone if we want but man it makes it a lot more fun and easy with other people around us 100 percent. yeah and you, you've definitely you guys have developed a, a really cool methodology the roots methodology around seeing seeing the fundamentals which really is like the high wisdom i think um around you know how to handle your breath your mind your body and your heart and it's it's pretty amazing so check it out habitualroots.com uh thank you kevin it's always a pleasure look forward to more conversations in the future yeah same thank you All right, brother. cheers mm -hmm.